listening to First Church Charlotte. Stand with me. Let's read from the very first page of the scripture. We're going to read Genesis chapter number one, verse number one. Some of you can quote this because you're so spiritual. You see angels and quote scriptures. So we are reading in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Somebody say, yes, he did. The earth was without form and void. Without form and void. Say that with me. Without form and void. And there was a darkness that was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I love that image. I feel like so often in individuals' lives, the Spirit of the Lord is hovering right on the periphery of their life, waiting for the moment when the Spirit can enter into that place of ministry and divine fellowship. The Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, say it with me, let there be light. And there was light. The Lord saw the light. God saw the light. And it was good. It was good. So I am talking to a little to you for a little while uh, from this subject. I am considering this as a Bible study uh, series for the next uh, two or three or four, not more than four, uh, Wednesday night Bible studies. Living in the void, living in the void, and we will understand it better in just a moment. Before you're seated, fist bump your neighbor and say, this church loves sinners. That's why we're glad you're here. Amen. Some of you guys enjoyed that with guilty pleasure. You knew I was talking about you. I want you all to know I love you. I'm so thankful for the Lord joining our lives together. And it is my honor to speak the word of the Lord into your life. There's power in the word of the Lord. Can I have the big amen? And there is joy in the fellowship of God's people coming together. I, If I'm doing it right, when I see you striving to serve God, it, I get a sense of not just camaraderie, but a sense of joy because the Lord has placed us together. I need you. And honey, you know you need me. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, I'm going to have to kind of feel my way forward tonight, uh, sharing what is in my heart. I was trying to express something to my wife uh, on Sunday, and I was making a mess of it, uh, kind of muddling my way through it, um, and talking about this, this subject of fear and just how powerful fear is in the life of people who have not been called to live in fear. I say that because I know how powerful fear can be in my life. And God has not called me to live in fear. God has not designed me to live in fear. It's like taking uh, a vehicle and just trashing it. Uh, it's like <laughs> it's like a mechanic told me one time. I asked him how long he thought the truck would last. He said, well, it depends on who's driving it. She would last a long time for me. But I don't know how you're going to treat her. I think when I live in fear, 
I am in some manner accepting a spiritual reality that I was never designed for. And it eats me from the inside out. This has been in my spirit. I have prayed about it. I have, I have wrestled with it. And thinking about it, I begin to have my mind open to it's more than just fear. It's a whole way of living in the flesh, by the flesh, by the values of this world, and by the carnal nature of the fallen human heart. We, If we are not so changed by the power of God in our life, and if we are not changed by the indwelling of his spirit, we live in a spiritual chaos. We live in a spiritual void. The heart is not inclined of its nature to understand the kingdom of heaven. The heart is inclined to think in terms of the temporal to value the easy, to long for possessions, uh, to want to receive rather than to give. The heart is, the apostle called, said it like this, it's enmity against God. It's as though the natural state, man, I feel the spirit of the Lord here tonight. The natural state of our heart is in opposition. It is, I know this is a heavy word, but I, I want you to consider it. The natural state of the heart is to live in antichrist. Anti-word. Anti-spiritual authority. Anti-godly understanding. And anti-heavenly values. And so I, having talked to my wife about this and kind of made a mess of it trying to, to talk about it, she she evidently didn't want to talk anymore about it. So she told me, she said, look, why don't you just do one of those, those things you do where you go all OCD and you like do this deep dive into the subject and I don't hear from you for three or four weeks at a time and you turn it into a very extended Bible study, uh, which being interpreted was, could you let me play with my little girl for a little while? <laughs> Uh, but it struck me, she's like, you know what you do where you nerd out and you, you just like go deep. And I, I thought about that. And I, I, I the, the truth is, maybe this isn't for you. Maybe this is for me. But I know just how easy it is to step back into the realm of seeing the promises of God through fleshly eyes and seeing the mission of the church through a carnal heart and seeing the, the ministry God has called us to do through the fears of my understanding. And every time I do that, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so spiritual when I walk, my feet don't even touch the ground. But hear me, every time I do that, I end up in spiritual chaos. I'm not saying I become an overnight sinner. I was already given to sin. That's my nature. And unless God changes that nature, which thankfully he is willing to do when we seek after him, it is natural for me to be a sinner. That's not the point. The point is not that I go back to being, say, a sinner. That, that's not the point. The point is not that I am some way lost. I, I don't think it's that easy to lose your salvation. I think you can do it, but I think uh, the Lord is going to fight for you and draw you. He who began something in you is able to finish what he began. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a.
I'm not a once saved, always saved, but I will say this. It's not as easy to get the, as C.S. Lewis said, the hound of heaven off your trail as you might think it is. God will stir you. You can walk out of here tonight and live like a fool, but God will be knocking on your door in about four hours when you wake up in the middle of the night. He's not going to just let you go. He, it's a test, my God, it's a testimony of half this church that God would not give up on us. But he loved us, and he fought for us, and he loved us. Uh, and we, tro- we chose to go away, but he reached down. So tonight, in this idea of, of, of living in a void of, of chaos, of spiritual confusion, I want to first talk about fear. I'm going to talk about it tonight. If I, can get it, if I can get it out of my spirit, I'll move on to the next subject of this series. Uh, if not, I'll talk about it a little bit more next uh, Wednesday night. Uh, we, we believers, we have a difficult time with fear because we, we feel guilty about fear as, as we should. We, we all of us love to quote one to another the beautiful words of the apostle John where he writes first John chapter number four and he says this and it's so beautiful. Perfect love does what? Perfect love casts out all fear. And so when we feel fear, we have this little bit of guilt in our hearts. It's like, man, I, I must not be the real deal. If I was spiritual like Bishop and powerful like Bishop S, then I wouldn't deal with fear. But I'm, I'm, I'm just little old me. Uh, you know what I'm saying. Don't get quiet on me now. I'll, I'll, I'll request myself to sing a solo, and you know how you hate that. <laughs> uh, uh, we, we, we feel guilty about fear, and yet it always is there. I, I want to, first of all, make a confession from the platform where all the spiritual people uh, live. Uh, I want to make this confession. Uh, fear is a reality, not simply uh, a choice. So you're not, you're not a bad person when you constantly fight fear because fear is your reality. Let me explain it this way. Fear is simply being vulnerable. You have a sense of vulnerability. Every time you hear someone say fear, just remind yourself it's because you have an awareness of your vulnerability. You know you can get sick, yes? You know bad things happen to good people, yes? You know trouble comes, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Reality of fear is that it is part of our existence. It's not a a choice we make. I want to say that one more time, and I want you to try to accept it and and forgive yourself. Fear is a reality. It's not a choice you make. And so when you feel fear, you don't need to go through this season of being down on yourself and being angry, angry to yourself or in some way castigating yourself. We all of us live with far less than perfect knowledge. We all of us are aware that trouble comes and we all of us know that things can happen that are painful. We all of us, because of our limitations, live in a, uh, a world where uh, we, we are ever, ever, ever so vulnerable. Uh, C.S. Lewis said it so beautifully, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. 
If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one. Not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Isn't that beautiful? Man, that just, those words just, they just rock me. I want you to see that fear is the awareness of vulnerability. I thought, I thought I knew what fear was, um, and then I had children. You will never be so aware of how life can hurt you until you have children. Because children make you fear in ways you did not know it was possible to fear. So let me real quick talk to our beautiful young people. I know sometimes, I know most of them are next door, but there's a few of the younger ones. Maybe some of the teens or whatnot. Or, uh, we, we have probably as many people over there as we have over here, uh, but that, that's, a, that's a typical thing with the Prosper You mentoring ministry going on over there. So I, I, wanna, I want you to forgive all you young people. I got a real pretty one sitting right here. I want you to forgive your mom in advance for nagging you and worrying about you and checking on you. And you just want them to leave you alone. Honey, when you have a kid, you will know how terrifying it is to have a kid. Can I have an amen? So my point is this. When we love, we make ourselves vulnerable. And yet the Bible gives us this 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 high verse that soars above us, perfect love casts out fear. Yes, but there's only one perfect love, and that's divine love, agape love. You and I can only experience it through faith in him and through some sense of feeling the nearness of his presence. What we offer one to another is not perfect love. It's, it's not. However much somebody loves you, if you hurt them enough, it will begin to shape their love. It may not remove it, but it will shape it, and they will begin to protect themselves from you. And so, yes, God's love casts out all fear. Why? Because God has no vulnerabilities. He's not going to have some tragic accident happen and leave the universe without parental oversight. He's not going to accidentally get sick and us have his funeral in spite of what Nietzsche thought. He's not going to accidentally have some industrial accident and leave us all down here wandering around. Of course, divine love casts out fear because he's the one who can make whole anything that hell can break. In fact, the whole church is built around the understanding that God can make whole anything that hell can break. This church, let me tell you. God, God gave me a word a few years back, and it, it was a real subtle, soft voice that spoke to me. But it was basically, I, I, I say this to myself a lot uh, when I'm encouraging myself in the Lord. He said, if you're going to see me do what I want to do, you're going to have to embrace a house of mercy. You see... 
God's kingdom is in the business. God's kingdom is in the business of taking just the leftovers of sin, just the pieces of the ravages of hell. And when he's done, you're standing in his presence and perfect love has cast out all fear. Fear, however, that we experience is because we're aware of vulnerability. It does not in itself make us evil. It is a reality. However, faith is a choice. That's some good stuff. I know I didn't get any amens, but I just want you to know that was just U.S. grade A right there. Uh, Fear is a reality, but faith is a choice. That's why the choice of faith gives a testimony to the world that you're a different kind of pilgrim. This world is not your home. You're just a passing through. You feel the same fear, and you choose faith. This is what it means to be a child of Abraham. We choose to follow the voice, the call, the anointing of God and seek the unknown with the assurance that the one who gave the covenant will keep the covenant. We experience fear and our lives feel like this this void of of terror and darkness and and what about this and what about that and if I only knew then I could relax yeah but you wouldn't need faith and you would have no testimony of God because you did not anymore need to choose to believe and so we all of us live with the experience of fear but faith is the choice we make in the face of fear faith is the choice we make fear is simply vulnerability however faith is the choice you make of the kind of walk you're going to have all you need to do to feel fear is wake up in the morning when you don't wake up anymore you will no longer feel fear so be relieved Of course, you might have other problems. (laughs) All you have to do to feel fear is wake up in the morning. But faith is the choice you make once you catch your spirit wandering around like a spiritual orphan. Because that's the result of living in spiritual confusion and chaos. We are orphaned. We have no connection to our creator. And we're looking around and wondering and why. And you come to yourself. And you say, no, no, no. I choose to believe that God is on the throne. And there's nothing that can happen that he will not bring me through. We choose faith. How do we do that? How do we do that? There is one school of teaching within the faith community, within the community of uh, Christian religion, that is emphasizes the, the the faith statement as a as a refutation of reality, and they emphasize this. And I I would hesitate to say that's wrong. Uh, I mean, after all, what do I know? I'm I'm trying to do the best I can too. Some people, because of their personality type, they need to they need to pretend as though bad things won't happen to them because they have faith, and that makes them feel reassured. Uh, they they have to practice faith as a type of denial. And that helps them to get peace. I I don't know how you are, but that doesn't help me. It doesn't help me to practice faith as denial. It may be that I am a different personality. Uh, For me, faith 
is, and I, I think there's a Bible for this, but I, I don't want to speak against any, anyone who, who their experience of faith is simply the, the flat refusal to see the reality in their life and the choice to only speak that which is not as though it was. And I, I'm, I, I'm not unsympathetic. I'm really not. But I, I think there's something so powerful in the biblical principle of confession. I think we miss, us apostolics, we miss something profoundly life-changing by minimizing confession. I don't mean making confession to a, to a priest. We believe in the universal priesthood of the believer. There is no mediator between you and God except the man Christ Jesus. And he was more than just a man. And so God has reopened the communication access, shall we say, between heaven and earth. And that inner dividing wall, as the, as the apostle wrote, uh, has been removed and now we have access to God. And so you don't have to confess your sins to, to a priest in order to receive a symbolic divine hall pass. But what you do have to do, or you should do if you're interested in being biblical, and I, I don't know about you, but I'm very interested in being biblical. In fact, that's pretty much all I'm interested in. And uh, I want to be biblical. And so we're, 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 con, we're, we're taught to have a group of trusted influencers in our life. We are taught to have a group of trusted brethren or spiritual sisters in our life, whereby we make, biblically, confession one to another. And this is so powerful, this act of confession, is the acknowledgement of the place. Because now you are going to choose a path forward. It's not going to be something you're swept up in against your will. You, by the testimony of your life and the words of your mouth, with the words of our lips, we bless him. With the words of our lips, we have power of life and death. We are going to confess reality and then choose his way. And so by confession, we acknowledge the reality as it is. And we, by confessing, stand first upon trust. God is in heaven. We're on earth. His way and his work is perfect. It does not need my approval. I am confessing that bad things happen, but I am choosing courage. One mistake we make is we tend to think people feel fear or courage. This is a mistake. People feel fear and courage at the same time. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Because you will sell yourself a lie by, a lie by thinking it's easier for other people than you because they're more courageous. And that's kind of like cutting yourself too much of a pass. The person who seems to have courage feels fear too. They just have chosen courage. And so what do I mean by confession? I, conf I confess to, the, to you all that not everyone was delivered from the lions. I confess to you all that sometimes it's the preacher who needs healing. And it's worse than that. Sometimes it's us preachers who need repentance. <gasps> you get, you understand what I'm saying? I want you to see, having accepted where we are, having accepted the state of spiritual, um, being a spiritual orphan in the flesh, having 
accepted that we do not have understanding. And we do see through a glass darkly. We now say, God, I choose to trust you. I choose to see that if something bad happens to me, you are going to be with me through the whole thing. You see, the thing about love is whether something good or bad happens, it's all in. That's why perfect love casts out all fear. I don't want anything bad to happen, but if it does, I'm all in. I would like to always have Cadillacs and Christmas, but if it doesn't happen, I'm all in. I'm not just a rainy day commitment person here today. I am all in. On the days where I'm loved, I'm all in, but I will not disappear on the days I'm attacked. This is to understand the power of perfect love in your life. It may be you are one of the ones delivered from the fiery furnace. It may be that you are not. Either way, God is all in, committed to you. And it is going to be all right. Fear is the experience we have of this, this type of chaos in our spirit, a type, almost a type of spiritual void, and I'm using that image from creation, where there's just chaos. Uh, it's without form and void. So form means in some manner uh, order or symmetrical, uh, discernible, interpretable uh, order, and uh, void uh, so void and uh, without form is the first. And the second void is there is no purpose in its existence. It's void. There's this void. There's no purpose in it. But now notice what happens. In this reality of chaos, spiritual chaos, and allow me to use the illustration, spiritual purposelessness. Within this, there is something happening. The presence of the Lord is brooding over the waters. And so it is every person who comes into the door of a church living as a spiritual orphan filled with chaos and purposelessness discovers that not very far away there is this presence of the Lord brooding. And we, all of us, become aware of God's presence in our life. And we become aware of a divine invitation that is issued to us. We are an eternal being. Don't rush past that. It's important. Secondly, we are loved by an infinite God. We are an eternal being and we are loved by an infinite God. And moreover, there is nothing that can separate us from that love. You will feel fear. Choose faith. You will fear. You will feel chaos. Choose promise. You will walk to the left and to the right, and at times you'll feel like you're circling without a guide. Know that the day star will rise in your life, and you will be given direction. However much fear you feel, hear me, however much fear you feel, Listen to this preacher when he says, not very far away from that fear, the presence of the Lord is brooding. You will not experience faith. You will choose faith. 
after you have chose it, you might feel it, but you're going to have to choose it. And you're going to have to say, I feel fear. This is the power of confession. I am afraid of this. Some people, uh, if you've seen someone hurt in a particular way, you're afraid of you or someone you love hurting like that. It's terrible to see a loved one sick. It's terrible to see a child sick. And you think that fear, the vulnerability is real. I, for me, confess this could happen. But I say today that whatever happens, there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. And I don't just experience fear. I choose faith. So the first thing that has to happen in this spiritual chaos is that we become aware, and I love this image, we become aware of the presence of God. Do you see what's happened here? There's this chaos, this, this spiritual formlessness in the life of the, of the confused and troubled soul. And they become aware somehow through that the presence of the Lord is moving not too far away from them. That is your job. Somebody say, that's my job. My job is to let people know the spirit of the Lord is moving not too far away from them. I'm going to try again over here because y'all were carnal over here. I want y'all to say amen real loud so they'll feel bad. Okay, you ready for this? Your job is to let the people in your world know that not very far from them, the spirit of the Lord is moving. See, y'all, y'all were not to pray. This side over here needs to pray. This is a spiritual side over here. I want you to see that this is the power of testimony. You think it's chaos. Oh, but the Lord's closer to you than you realize. You think it's just a hot mess, and it kind of is a hot mess. But here's the thing. Not too far away from you, the Spirit of the Lord is moving. What? Let's just take a moment and pray here together. Lord, I pray for my brother. I pray for my sister. I know you're working in their life, and I know there's a lot of fear. I know there's a lot of junk going on, Lord. But we choose right now to see that you are going to work in our life. And I pray you just walk with them, Lord. I pray that they would feel you right now. Here's a person living in spiritual chaos and confusion, and you just prayed this simple prayer, and they have the slightest sense that over the confusion and the chaos of their life, the Spirit of the Lord is brooding. What happens next? The Word is spoken. First is awareness. Then comes the word of the Lord. Then God said. Before you hear from God, you usually perceive his presence. Before you receive his word, you become aware of his moving in your life. And out of that awareness comes the sense of opening the door when the spirit knocks upon it. And so uh, into that fear, that chaos, that spiritual purposelessness, the reality of the carnal heart beset with all the things we can't do. We can't control our health. We can influence it, but we can't control it. We can't control our careers. We can influence it, but we can't control it. We, don't, we can't control whether our kids turn out to have sense or if they turn out ignorant. We, we just, I mean, we have influence, but that we don't have control. And it's unfair, parents, if you take all of their choices on you. 
It's unfair. I mean, you can do it if you want to. I can't stop you. But I'm telling you, it's not fair. Think of all the things you have done and how unfair it would be to blame your parents for the stuff you did. Blame them for some of them. I mean, I blame my mom and dad for a few things. You see what I'm saying? But not that much. I mean, I blame my dad more than my mom because my mom's perfect and has a halo around her hair. And so um, I, 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 <laughs> I want you to see, I want you to see uh, something that I can't remember what I was wanting you to see. And so into this reality of the presence of God, the word of God speaks. Now, uh, what does the word do? The word defines and the word creates, and so it is in our life. Out of confusion comes the declarative power of the word. It is so important that we speak right because it is with our lips that we define life in the spirit or death in the flesh. It is with our lips. I am praying. I'm praying right now in my life, Lord, do not let me speak about a problem in a venting manner because for so much of my life I have vented about problems and spoke doubt and spoke fear. I want to, now I'm not saying you shouldn't speak to people who can give you advice and I'm not saying you should not be open and vulnerable to people of good hearts in your life. You need that. But simply to speak in a manner of venting is to fill the atmosphere of your world with the words that resonate with the chaos not the words that resonate with the promise. Into the chaos, we first become aware that our life is more than the confusion. Our life is more than the fear. Our life is more than just weekends and paychecks. We are an eternal being, and we're loved by an infinite God. Somebody say yes. Now what? Into that, the Spirit of the Lord begins to speak, and the Word of God comes into your life. And every word from God's mouth has power and authority, but more importantly, it has creative influence of the kingdom of heaven defined in the fallen world in which we live. The word of God defines the kingdom of heaven in the fallen creation in which we live. That's why we become people of the word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. The word was God. That word defined order, spiritual direction out of chaos and confusion. And so it is in our natural world as it is in our spiritual experience. Once we are aware of the presence of God and once we begin to perceive the nature of a world beyond this world and a future beyond this world and the kingdom of heaven in our hearts, once that happens, we begin to receive the definition of the kingdom of God through the word. And so we speak the word of God. I want to, and I'm almost done. Musicians, you can come and play. I'm going to give you a a, a scripture here before we're dismissed. I want to give you a scripture that I love so much. It's so beautiful. This is from the prophet Isaiah, and he is writing in chapter 55 and verse number 10. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven. Wasn't the snow we received yesterday morning so, so fun? I don't know if it's snowed at your house. I just had a good old time sitting outside thinking, my goodness, this 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 old world's groaning for the release. <laughs> it, it's bizarre. April 2nd, and we're getting all this snow. Uh, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth 
and make it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Fear is part of the human experience. It leads to spiritual confusion and it leads to a testimony of doubt. We become to expect that the powers of destruction in our life are greater than the power of spiritual healing and divine purpose. We live a doubt when we live in fear, yes. But let's be kind, not just to others, let's try to be kind to ourselves. And let's admit that fear is our daily bread. However, we have been invited to choose faith. We have been invited to stare fear in the eye and say, yes, I feel fear, but I choose courage because God is committed to me. I am committed to him. I am his and he is mine. And so I will speak life today. I will not speak death today. Remember the scripture? Life and death is in the power of your tongue. I will speak life today and not death. So I will speak victory over the sin that has terrorized some of you. And I will speak victory to the fear that has paralyzed some of you. I will speak and I will say, yes, the fear is real, but nearby the fear, the Spirit of the Lord is moving. And if you will see that this world is more than the sum of your fears, it's also the sum of his promises. It might be that you can develop a balanced response to your human condition. And in the face of fear and doubt, you can choose faith and promise. And you can speak the word of God. And if you will speak, somebody say it with me, if I will speak, say it again, if I will speak, Say it again. If I will speak. You ever wonder why Jesus made Peter say something three times? Do you love me? Yeah. Do you love me? Yeah. Do you love me? I give up, Lord. You know. I quit. It's almost as though the prophet stands in front of you and says, I hear you saying you're weak, but say with me. Say I'm strong. Say I'm strong. Say I'm strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. Why? There's definitive power in the word. And when the word comes out, it's like the rain and the snow that falls from heaven. And it brings forth the purposes of God. Let's all stand. When you're weak, you don't feel like saying, I'm strong. That's why the Bible commands the weak. It doesn't ask. It doesn't request. It doesn't suggest. The Bible phrases it as a declarative statement. Let the weak say, I am strong. That's the perfect image of a person living with fear, but saying, I choose faith. Whatever happens, God's on my side. And if God be for me. 
reach over and take your neighbor's hand and put a hand on their shoulder, whatever is appropriate. Lord Jesus, we pray as a church here today. We pray for spiritual direction. We pray for overcoming strength. Lord, we pray for victory over fear. Fear has hindered so many powerful believers. Fear has caused so much early death to powerful spiritual people because they became victims of a reality they thought that they could not change. And because they could not change in frustration, they quit trying. Lord Jesus, we're not going to do that. We're simply choosing courage today. We're not trying to get rid of fear. We're just adding to it. We're adding to it the promise of God. We're adding to it the presence of God. And when you're done with it, out of the chaos and the void comes that which is spiritually relevant, powerful, and anointed. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One more time, put your hands together. Lift your voice. Let's give God a shout of praise. about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.